0: say amen. Oh, that's pitiful. Church, say amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Here's what I need you to have. I need you to have your outline from last week. How many of y'all have your outlines from last week? Oh, mercy. Well, how about the week before that? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Bunch of trashy Christians, I'm telling you what. All right. How many of you have your outline from two weeks ago? Anybody? All right. How many of you don't? All right, you're just gonna have to listen real good then. All right? All right. How many of you have your new outline from tonight? Your brand new one. All right. This is this is this is going to be really, really, really good. Somebody say amen. amen. Uh, we are gonna talk about answered prayers. Answered prayers. And there's no way to talk about answered prayers without talking about unanswered prayers amen how many ever wondered sometimes why it seemed like some of your prayers have been answered and some of them haven't been anybody wondered that before you got you're curious like me do you realize there's over approximately approximately some say over but uh, let's just use the word approximately that way we can we can be justified in it oh, uh, approximately 650 prayers in the bible and do you realize most of them were unanswered now, when I say unanswered, everybody, everybody can get real spiritual and they can say, well, all prayers are answered. Sometimes it's no. That's not what I'm talking about. Are y'all with me? Now, everybody can say that, but that's not what I'm talking about. Y'all, y'all, we we all know what we're talking about here with unanswered prayers. Why does, why does some answered and some are not? We're going to talk about that today. Because the truth is, the truth is, God does answer prayer does he not but the truth is also not all of them not all of them we can't we can't run around and and see this is what happens because of false teaching because of false teaching and because of a, a misunderstanding of God's word there's a lot of people whose faith has been devastated Because they thought something about God or God's Word that wasn't necessarily true. And then when they practiced what they thought and it didn't come to pass, now they're questioning, is God real? Is is this Christian thing, is this Christianity stuff, is it really real? When we shouldn't be questioning whether God's real... We should be questioning is our understanding of who God is and what God's word truly says. Are you all with me? Say amen. Amen. I got to finish the outline from last, last, last week. But we're going to jump into this page because I really want to get this through. I want to, I want to, I want to focus on that particular part, but we're going to finish in James chapter number five. If you'll look in James chapter number five and verse number 17. Excuse me, James chapter number 5, verse 17. We ended up, last week, we're just going to, y'all know what I'm talking about when I say that, okay? The last time we were studying, we were in James chapter number 5, and we were talking about prayer. We were talking about uh, the effectual fervent righteous prayer, uh, or or the the effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And we talked about uh, what hinders prayer and that type of thing. And then the example was given to us of Elijah, When he began, when James wanted to teach us about prayer and he wanted to show us some examples of prayer, he pulled up Elijah and he began to talk about Elijah. So let's look at that, James chapter 5 and verse 17. Verse number 17, if you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Elias, or Elijah, he was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years in six months. How many of y'all believe he knew what he was doing? When you can pray that it don't rain and it doesn't, for that amount of time, you know something. Amen. Now watch this. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. How many of you in the building tonight would like to have that kind of prayer power? Amen. How many of y'all know we need that kind of prayer power? Especially with what's going on in our world, what's going on in our country. Uh, uh, God knows we need to be praying for California right now and, and the things that's going on over there. Uh, uh, we need to be able to get a hold of God and, and know, know that God hears us. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, thank you for those that have come out tonight to hear from you. Uh, Lord, we, we just want to study your word. We're just going to spend time. We're not going to rush. We're not going to get in a hurry. We're just going to take these verses as they come. And as you speak to us, Lord, please help me. I need power to deliver your word. I need power to to be able to explain the word at, that you have given me so that we can all stand in, in truth and know that, that, Lord, what we are practicing is exactly what the Bible teaches. I pray that your perfect will be done. Move. In this place today, Lord, let my mind be clear. Let me say everything I'm supposed to say. and Lord, don't let me forget something I need to say. But Lord, don't let me say something I shouldn't say. And I pray that your perfect will be done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> in, your, in your old notes, in your old notes this, these were the main points in your old notes. The practice he encourages, the process he established, the promise he emphasizes, and we talked about that, then, then the last page, and let me finish this up, and then we'll jump over into the new outline, the power that he explains. Uh, in James chapter number 5, if you'll remember when we began the chapter, he is primarily speaking to four different groups of people, the selfish, the suffering, the sick, and the sinning. And this, this past uh, study that we have been on is on the suffering. Uh, or excuse me, on the sick and praying for the sick and praying for those that that are in need physically in that way. And we begin to talk about the process and why, why we need to pray and how we need to pray. Well, the last point deals with the power in that prayer and the confidence that we need to have when we do pray. And by doing this, James brought up the example of Elijah. And when you go back to Elijah and you study that out, you'll find several things about that, and I don't want to do it tonight. But if you do, uh, go back there and and read about what happened with the stories. One of the coolest stories in the Bible, the prophet Elijah, listen, he goes, there's a great contest, y'all remember, with the the prophets of Baal, they go on Mount Carmel there and and they have a contest. They said, you call on your God, we're going to call, I'm going to call on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and whichever one answers by fire, he's the God. He said, if Baal be God, then follow him. If God be God, then follow him. And the saddest word you'll ever read is, they answered him not a word. They answered him not a word. He's pouring his heart out to God's people. He's saying, make a choice. Decide who you're going to believe in. Decide who you're going to follow. And they answered him not a word. They had the contest. Now, before I get ahead of myself, what led up to this point? What led up to this point, King Ahab was wicked. I mean, wicked. He was a wicked king. And God told Elijah, I want you to go tell King Ahab that it's not going to rain. That you're going to pray and it's not going to rain because he wants to get the nation of Israel's attention. How many of y'all know after Sunday that God will get our attention? And he did. He shut down the heavens, it did not rain. Shut it completely down. Listen, the crops started failing. Animals started dying. uh, uh, Things started happening. God started messing with their economy. Now, if you want to get man's attention, go digging in in his pocketbook. Are you all with me? Well, here we go. God's got their attention. Now it's time. He says, now I want you to go back and tell them that I'm going to send rain. And that's when the contest started. So if, if you're with me, say amen. Okay, they were on the, on the Mount of Carmel, and then God sends fire from heaven. They said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. They kill all the prophets of Baal, and then Elijah gets on his knees, and he begins to pray. He gets on his knees, and he prays, God, send the rain. Oh, God, send the rain. And they kept sending the servant, go check and see if there's rain coming. Man, that's, that's confidence in your prayer when you tell. I, 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 always, I always heard it this way. I always heard it this way. They said the old timers, when they went to church to pray for rain, they carried their umbrella. Are you all with me? That's the, kind of, that's the kind of faith we need to have. That's the kind of confidence we need to have. He kept sending him and sending him and sending him. Kept coming, I don't see nothing. Well, the last time he said, oh, I see a cloud forming. Somebody say amen. And you all know the story. The rain came. Well, this is the story that James is using as an illustration. But there's something that you need to see. There's something you need to understand about Elijah because I don't, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, <clears throat> when I was growing up in church, in Sunday school, uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie, uh, uh, our generation was shafted. I'm telling you, we got done wrong bad. I should have been born in the technological age, amen. I should have been born with 3D and HD, but I was born with flannel graph. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all know what flannel graph is? Stick the picture on the wall and tell the story. Amen. And you had to you had to let your imagination do the work, and that was a problem because I had a great imagination and it got me in trouble a lot. Well, here we are. When I would see these characters, when I would when I would hear the the stories of these characters, characters like David and Goliath, and, and characters like Elijah calling down fire. In my little brain, man, I'm thinking, man, this dude is something else. He, he's, he's like a super Christian. And you can hear stories of John Baptist and, and, and how he came out the wilderness and uh, wearing camel hair and, and eating locusts and wild hunt. Man, this is a bad dude. And, and you get the impression, you get the impression that these are like super Christians. These were like, I did, y'all probably didn't, y'all probably a lot more spiritual than I am, but I'm telling you that like, these were like just special people. But you know what, James spent time helping us understand. He said, you know what, Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. So, if you're finishing up your notes, if you just happen to have your outline from that week, write this down. Elijah, he was a plain man. He was a plain man. What, what does that mean? He put his brit. My grandma as you said, just like this. He put his britches on just like you do. He had issues just like you do. Matter of fact, if you keep reading the story, you'll find out that one crazy woman ran him out of town after he done faced four hundred fifty prophets of Baal, four hundred prophets of the Grove, killed all of them, called fire down from heaven. One old crazy woman threw him in a depression. You know what that tells me? He's human. What? Read it. She was crazy. I mean, look at it. Am I right? Y'all that know the story? What's the point? Don't ever think, don't ever think that because this person over here prays and stuff happens, that you can't either. The Bible says he was a man. He was a man. He was a man of like passions as we are. He was human. But he still had the ability to pray. He still had the power to pray. He still had the ability to come to God and have his prayer answered. But he was just a man. What does that mean? The weakest saint in this room right now has the same opportunity that the prophet Elijah had. Now, I don't know about you, but that's encouraging. Amen? He was a plain man. Then secondly, B, B under that outline. He was passionate. <clears throat> he was passionate. Well, what does that mean? Elijah prayed in faith. For God told him, if you'll go back and read 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, God told him he was going to send the rain. So what did that do? That gave him confidence to keep on asking, to keep on praying. When you know God's will, it is, it is very easy to... To be confident in your prayer. Somebody say amen. Now watch. And we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, You cannot separate the word of God and prayer. For in his word he gives us the promises that we can claim when we pray. Elijah was not only believing in his prayer. But he was persistent in his prayer. He prayed. And he prayed again. He prayed and prayed and prayed. till Till the hand and the cloud was seen. That's in Uh, uh, Too many times we fail to get what God promises because we stop praying. We give up too soon. We give up too early. It is true. It is true now that we we are not heard for our much praying. In other words, God's not clicking how many times you pray. And when you get to a certain number, okay, I'm going to move then. That's not what this is about. It's about passion. And it's about persistence. What does the Bible say in James 5? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much somebody say amen now watch there's a difference between vain repetitions and true believing persistence in prayer elijah was determined and concerned in his praying now see just to finish the outline and we'll jump on the new one all right he was plain he was passionate but he was also powerful he was also powerful Prayer power is the greatest power in the world today. Elijah prayed for his nation, and God answered his prayers. We need to pray for our nation, amen? We need to pray for our nation, amen? Amen. That God will bring conviction and revival, and that showers of blessings will come to the land. Andrew Murray, I love this quote. I'm telling you, I love this quote. He said, beware in your prayer above everything of limiting God Not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what he can do. Boy, is that good? Don't ever ever in your mind think that you can figure out what God has the ability to do in your life. Don't ever think your problem is too big. Don't ever think it's beyond what he has the ability to do. Somebody say amen. Now, let's jump into the outline. Let's jump into the outline. All right, how many of you got the new outline? How many of you got the new outline? Has everybody got one? Okay, all right, here we go. Let's look at this. The first phrase there, paradigm shift. That's, that's, that's kind of like a, a fancy phrase that a lot of people use. You, you go to conferences now and you go to uh, 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 growth seminars and, and, and leadership seminars and that type of thing. Who needs one? Raise your hand if you need one. I want to make sure everybody has one. Mr. Bird needs one, Brother Buchanan. Uh, 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 Johnny, help him, help him, help him, help him, run, run. I want everybody to get this because this is going to be important. And I need you all to pray for me. I need you all to pray for me Uh, uh, because uh, under the anointing, it really helps. But, uh, man, I'm telling you, my neck is killing me. I slept wrong. I think Tammy beat on me in the night. I'm not sure. But I was really, really exhausted after Sunday, and I crashed on my bed, and I woke up the next morning on, on, uh, with three pillows under my neck, and I was like this right here, and I have been dying from the bottom of my neck down into my shoulder. And so the devil's trying to stop this tonight, but we're not going to let him. Say amen. amen. So how many of y'all going to pray that God gives us this truth tonight? Amen? All right, now here's the thing. What is, what is a paradigm shift? It's a radical change in underlying beliefs or the way we see something. And do you know what? We need a paradigm shift when it comes to prayer. What does that mean? we got to change everything about the way we see it, everything we've ever heard about it, everything we've ever been taught about it. Because here's the thing. If, if, you, if you go into something, if you go into something, I, I was listening to a story today. <clears throat> I was listening to a story today. And, and, and it told about a young man, a, a, a youth, that was really on fire for God. He was reading his chapters every day. Uh, I mean, he really was, man. He loved God, and he wanted to be faithful to God, and he believed God and believed the Bible, and, 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 and people would take verses out of the Bible and say, listen, when you pray, all you got to do is ask, and God's going to answer your prayer. So he prayed for a friend of his that, was, that had cancer. And I mean, every day he would pray, every day he would pray, every day he would pray. And then after a while, through the, through the treatments and all, it went into remission. So, man, he was rejoicing. He was praising God and thanking God, saying, look, man, his faith was all, but just a few months later, it came back. And the sad part was, she died. And then, and then he prayed, he prayed and, 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 and prayed for a couple that he knew, this young man, prayed for a couple that was going through some marital issues and and he just knew it was God's will and, 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 and he prayed that they would get better and they end up divorced. And now this young man is staggered in his faith. His faith has been rocked because everything he's been told about prayer and about God and how God operates, what happened in reality didn't fall in line with what he's been told. If this makes sense, say amen. So what do we do? What do we do? I think we have to do this. I think we have to drop back and, and, and almost start over. Almost start over. In other words, don't depend on what we've heard all of our life. Don't depend on what we've been told all of our life. Well, what are we supposed to do? Go to the Word. If there is ever any doubt on what to do, or what to believe. Always go back to the Word. What does God say about it? What does His Word say about it? Not does what does Dr. Doodle Digger say about what he said about it. If that makes sense, say amen. Here's the thing. So all we're going to do tonight is going to say what He says. We're going to take it out of the book. We're going to take it out of the Bible. And at the end... At the end of the lesson that I pray to God, I get through. I pray and help me, Jesus, get to the bottom of this message. When we get to the end, we're going to see how we used to see it and what we used to think about prayer to the way it needs to be, the way it can be, the way it should be. And Oh, my goodness. Oh, man, I'm excited. Can you all tell us amen? What's going to happen when we get a true biblical understanding of prayer? Now, how many of y'all believe God answers prayer? How many of y'all believe there's power in prayer? It is if we do it the right way. Church, say amen. Let's look at the promises. Let's look at the promises. 1 John, this is at the top of your notes. should be in print so you don't have to look nothing up. But I promise you, that's where it is. I, it's just directly out of God's Word, okay? 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. <clears throat> and this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask... Now, now, when we get to the underlying parts in your notes, read it with me, okay? We'll read together. Okay, let me start over. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His... He... Now, watch this. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Is that encouraging? Amen. 1 John 3. 1 John three twenty one. <clears throat> Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Say that again. Then have we confidence toward God. How many of y'all know we need to have confidence toward God when we pray? Does the Bible not say pray in faith? Does the Bible not say pray believing? Is this important? Amen? Now watch. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. John fifteen sixteen. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it. Is that encouraging? So, what can we do knowing these promises? What can we know? What can we, what can we do knowing these truths? Hebrews 4:16. Let's all read it together, even though it's not underlined. Let's read the whole thing. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In the time of need. Do you know how bold you can be for asking for something you know he wants to do for you? Now think about this. This is common sense stuff, y'all. You know when you're scared to ask when you're not sure what they think about it. If you go to somebody, say you go to the bank. Say you go to the bank and you have horrible credit. Guess what? You're not going to be very bold. Because you're not going to have confidence that they want to give you what you are asking for. But if you go to the bank and your credit is out of the roof, you have awesome credit, you're going to know that they want to do something for you, so you're going to go in there. How many of y'all been watching them commercials, when, when the, the credit score commercial, when you come out carrying the plant with you? Y'all seen them? you you bold. I, I want to plant too, man. Matter of fact, give me that tie you're wearing. Are y'all with me? You can be bold. And you know what? God wants you to come before him bold. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Watch this. This is so cool. Say amen. Number one, I want you to see the promise for answered prayers. The promise for answered prayers. Three things you need to know about these promises. We just read them. They are in the Bible. They are in the Bible. Sometimes some promises are misquoted. And I think this is a major problem in Christianity because I think sometimes that people will take things that are not addressed necessarily to them. And, in other words, a promise that God gave to the Jewish nation is misquoted and we claim it. You cannot claim a promise that wasn't yours. Are you all with me? But these that we have read, I believe, is to the church. It's to Christian people. Now, so these we can claim. These that we just read, I believe we can claim these. All right? Now, so with these promises, there's some things you need to know about these promises. All right? First thing, write this down. You need to know that God's promises are bound by His Word. They are bound by his word. What does that tell me? God always keeps his word. I have had promises given to me by people that I shouldn't have trusted. There have been people that have lied to me. There have been people that have deceived me. There have been people that has given me their word and they were not good for their promise. But ladies and gentlemen, I stand before you today knowing that God cannot lie. Look what the verse says. Give me the verse. Look at the verse. Verse. The Bible says underneath, if you'll look at your notes, Titus chapter 1, verse 2. <clears throat> Titus chapter 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, say it with me, that cannot lie. Say it again. Which God that? Cannot he cannot lie. He promised before the world began. Every promise that God gives you, you can bank it. It is backed by his word. And God always keeps his Word. Say amen. Amen. Watch this. B. Not only is his promises bound by his word, his promises are based on his ability. His promises are based on his ability. Listen, if there was somebody in here that could say, I promise you $15 million, I'm not going to get real all excited because I really doubt anybody in here has the ability to do it. If you did, you ain't and say amen. Say amen. Now, what can we, and and don't know everybody, oh, I don't know who gives what, but I do know this. If you could give 15 million, anyway, are y'all with me? Watch what the Bible says about God's ability. Watch what it says about God's ability. Now unto him that is Now unto him that is to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. What does that tell me? Whatever you could ever conjure up in your mind, he's able. Whatever your need is, He's able. Whatever your problem is, He's able. Whatever your issue is, He is able. God can. God can meet you in the wilderness. God can feed you in the wilderness. God can protect you in the fire. God can keep the lions from off of you in the lion's den. I'm here to tell you, God's promises are backed by His ability. Thank God He has the ability to answer and to complete everything He's ever promised His children. Amen? C, let me hurry, let me hurry. What was A? A, his promises are? Bound by his word. B, they are? They're based on his ability. C, they're backed by his record. (laughs) What are you saying? He's got a good track record. Matter of fact, he's got a perfect track record. He has always done what he said he would do. Look what it says. Romans 15:4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have Why do you think God <coughs> wrote in the scriptures that he fed the nation of Israel in the wilderness with manna from heaven and water out of a rock? Because he knew one day there'd come a time when you needed to put food on your table. There'd come a day when you needed to keep your lights on. There'd come a day when you needed to pay the water bill. There'd come a day when you'd have great need. And what can you do? You can go back to the Old Testament and see that any time his children had a need, God would stand up and meet the need. Anytime the children of Israel needed to be protected, God would stand up and protect the nation of Israel. Why is it so important to study the Word and read the Word and learn the Word? Because it will give you hope. It's backed by His record. Say amen. The promises of God. The promises of God. They're all over the Bible. They're all over the Bible. They're backed by His record. He's got a good record. Say amen. He's always, he's always done what he said he would do. What did he say he would do? Let's go back to the top. It says if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Did God say that? Did God say that? All right. We have confidence toward God, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Did God say that? Did God say that? John 15, 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Did God say that? Church, say amen. amen. Now watch the promises for answered prayer. Number two. Okay, you cannot, you cannot deal with answered prayer till you deal with unanswered prayer. Okay, so what are the problems? Why are there so many prayers not being answered? Why are there so many issues that come in the Christian walk, in the Christian life with answered prayer? Number two, let's look at this. The problem with answered prayers. The Bible says in Psalm sixty six eighteen. 18. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord help me. What's the what's the what's the what's the major problem with answer prayers? Unconfessed sin. Write that down. Unconfessed sin. One of the biggest problems in the Christian walk when it comes to prayer is unconfessed sin. It is amazing to me if you go back if you go back and, and listen at last Wednesday's uh, Bible study or the last Wednesday we were here, we were talking about sin. We, we, we clearly saw in this chapter in James chapter number five where the man who's calling for, for, for those to come pray over him had a sin issue and he needed to confess and, and he needed to make things right. And because of his sin, there was issues there. and And then Sunday, and then Sunday, God, I'm telling you, God is lining all of this up. Sunday, we we deal with the message about about sin, that God's even good in our sin, that God will come and get our attention. God's not going to let His children stay in a place of sin and and, in a place where where they're out of fellowship with Him. And then tonight, here we are. We're talking about unanswered prayer. We're talking about prayers that are not being heard. How many of y'all know the Bible's true? Let's read it again. If I regard... Iniquity in my heart. Y'all read the last part real loud. Say it again. Say it again. Do you notice it does not say the Lord cannot hear me? It says he... Let me ask you a question. Why... Would a loving father cater to his child who is not living in a way conducive to the father's will? Why do we think that we can have unconfessed sin in our life and then expect God to come and meet our needs and come and answer our prayers and come do what we think we need Him to do for us? The Bible's right. The Bible's clear. One of the biggest problems with unanswered prayers, one of the biggest reasons that we're not seeing prayers answered in our life is unconfessed sin. Say it with me. Secondly, secondly, and you say, what were you getting all this stuff? I tried my best to go and look at all the places that I could, I could, I could look and say, you know, God is speaking to me in this. So I get the promises of the Lord. And then I tried to go all through the Bible that I could and find all the places where there was a, a cause or a reason for God not to answer prayer. And that's where we're getting the second point. All right, now watch. What, what was the first reason, the first problem we find? All right, B, unresolved marital issues. Unresolved marital issues. You say, where do you get that? First Peter chapter 3. I didn't have enough room in the outline, but if you want to, you can go read 1 through 7. And he he basically addresses the husband and the wife and their responsibilities in the relationship. He talks about the, 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 the wife's responsibilities, talks about the husband's responsibilities. It says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. As under the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together, the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. How many of y'all believe that God has a a way of order in the home? How many of of y'all understand that the Bible teaches us that God has expectations for the husband, and God has expectations for the wife? Okay, when those expectations are not fulfilled, When when the wife is not doing what she would do, or should do, when the husband is not doing what he should do, he better not expect to go to the altar and say, God, I need some help in this other area. Why? It says that your prayers be not hindered. What does that tell me? If my relationship with my spouse is not what it should be, that will hinder my prayers. Boy, doesn't that, doesn't, that, doesn't that bring that one verse to mind and how even more important it is to practice what the Bible says when it says, let not the sun go down on your... Why should we do everything to be reconciled in our marital relationship? Because you may need to talk to God. Something may happen to one of your children. Something may happen to a family member. Something may happen where you need to get a hold of God. That your prayers be not hindered. So, issues there could could keep God, could keep our prayers from being answered. All right? What was A? Give me A again. Come on, everybody. B? Unresolved marital issues. Then C. Then C. Unsettled relationship problems. Unsettled. Unsettled. Relationship problems. Let's read it. Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5. Watch what it says. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Uh, me and Brother Doyle had a spat. <clears throat> he's crazy. <laughs> Said something, hurt my feelings, shouldn't have. I don't know why he's acting that way. He knows how much I do for him. Bless God. Lord, I sure need my mortgage payment. Lord, I need you to help me. Oh, God, help me with my mortgage my mortgage payment. Malcolm. Yes, Lord. When's the last time you talked to Doyle? I don't want to talk to Doyle. <laughs> well, you need to go talk to him before you talk to me. What it says. What does that mean? That means that you cannot come to him in prayer when you got a grudge against your brother. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that in the church, in the church, you can go into a bar? <clears throat> you can go into a bar and get in a knockdown, drag out fight. I'm talking about go to jail together, fight, and then the next week buy each other a beer. But someone can sit in your chair on Easter Sunday. (laughs) And for 15 years, and we really think when we've got bitterness in our heart and a grudge in our heart, that we come to this altar and we think God's hearing us when we pray. Unanswered prayers. See, we don't think about this stuff. We think God doesn't mind a little grudge. God, He, he, he doesn't He doesn't mind uh He doesn't mind a little feud. Well, God, you understand how dumb door was? No. He understands you're supposed to be forgiven. You know what else he understands? Or we should understand? He don't care whose fault it was. Because most of the time it's not the fault of the one who thinks it's the fault. It's the fault of the one who thinks it's the other fault. Now I'm not gonna say it again. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> now I got a grudge against you, amen. <laughs> Isn't, isn't it amazing? I mean, we have family members. You talk. I ain't sitting over there. I'm talking about in the church, in the place where God said, "By this they shall know you're my disciple." By your, by your. Yeah, some of y'all mad. I can tell. I don't know why God ain't answering my prayer. Probably because you're still mad at Aunt Susie. Probably it's because you're still mad because the preacher ain't got hymnals in the book. Or he he put it dark in the auditorium last Sunday. He knows you get dizzy when it's dark. What's he thinking? I'm being a little facetious, but not much. Aren't the, aren't the arguments that happen in church so silly? Brother O'Neill told me about, this is, a, this is a legit true story. Brother O'Neill told me about a church in, in South, no, North Georgia, right on the Tennessee line. A, a growing church, a going church, I mean a good church. They had dinner on the ground one Sunday. <clears throat> and a, a certain uh, elderly person brought a pie that she had baked. And they did not cut the pie in the right size pieces. And she got upset. Her feelings got hurt. Well, she has a bunch of family in the church. Well, the one that cut the pie had several families in the church. And and the whole church split over a stupid pie. Now, that's a true story. I'm not being facetious at all. I'm trying to be facetious to keep from crying because this is ridiculous. Churches are fighting and squabbling and carrying on and, 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 and we wonder why America's going to hell. We wonder why we have no power in our prayer anymore. There was a day when churches would come to the altar and pray and God would move in great power and there would be revivals that didn't last three days. They'd last three weeks. But we have unconfessed sin. We have husbands and wives that won't stop long enough. to. We have have issues with brothers and sisters. Preacher, what am I saying? I'm simply saying this. If you've got ought with somebody or you know somebody's got ought with you, don't even come to this altar. According to this verse, he says, first, go to that one. Now, I really didn't mean to get this much on this subject, but let me help you with this because I think this right here has caused more unanswered prayers than any other thing we've talked about. So let me give you some advice. Go to that person and make it right. But this, is, this could happen. You may go to that person and they don't want to hear you. Okay? That's fine. You tried. You did your part. You were the Christian in the matter. There are going to be people that is not spiritual, that you try to make things right. You do your part and let God handle the rest. Are you all with me? But don't you be so prideful not to make it happen. What if they don't want to talk? What if they, and and let me say this too. Some of you in here still got grudge against somebody that's not even breathing air right now. They've already died and you're still mad at them. Well, guess what? The only thing you can do is come to this altar and say, God, forgive me for my bitterness. Forgive me for my unforgiveness. Let me tell you something. God really hates an unforgiving spirit. One of the greatest things that can happen to every single Christian is they become Christ-like. It's God's desire for you to be Christ-like. You remember what Romans 5, 8 <clears throat> No, oh, excuse me, excuse me, not Romans 5, 8. Uh, Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good to them, to love the Lord, to them that are called according to His purpose. What's His purpose? For whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Guess what the one greatest quality of the Lord Jesus Christ was? On the cross, He said, Father, say it again, for they know not what they do. Do you know when you're the most like Jesus Christ is when you're forgiving somebody that doesn't deserve your forgiveness. You want to start getting your prayers answered again? You want your prayers to get further than the ceiling? Then go to that person and make it right. If they don't want to make it right, hey, that's between them and God. You tried. You did your part. And all God's people said, All right, all right, what was A, help me now, A, B, C, okay, then D, an unfaithful devotional walk, turn with me to John 15, and y'all got to start listening faster because we're running out of time. All right, John 15, quickly, 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 turn, 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 turn. They don't have it all up there, so we've got to go back to your Bibles. I mean, we should be doing some Bible and Bible study, right? John 15, John 15, Cool chapter, cool chapter in the Bible. Jesus is speaking about his relationship and the relationship that he wants every Christian to have with him. He uses a vine in a vineyard to explain this and, 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 and help people understand this. So he begins to say, "I'm the true vine." and my Father is the husbandman. In other words, the Father in heaven is the farmer. Jesus is the vine itself. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, that's you and me. Every Christian is the branch. Y'all with me? He's the main trunk. He's the main vine. We branch out from him. We are connected to him. If that makes sense, say amen. Watch. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And that means to lift up, by the way. It doesn't mean to throw away. Thank God we're too valuable for God to throw away. Amen? He lifts it up. He cleans us up. He purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Or every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now, here it goes. Here it goes. Here it goes. Verse 4. What's that word? Say it again. That means to be in communion with. It means to be in the presence of. It means to hang out with, spend time with, walk with, talk with, fellowship with. Are you all with me? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it, except it in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. In other words, everything you need to do that God has called you to do and commissioned you to do, you can't do it without His power. You can't do it without His anointing. You can't do it without His favor. If you're a singer, I don't care how talented you are, you can't make it happen without Him. If you're a preacher, if you're a teacher, if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you're a painter, if you're a musician, if you are a mechanic, you need the power of God to do it in the way he wants it done. We have to abide in him. We have to spend time with him. Why? That's where we get our power. That's where we get our ability to do what he's called us to do. Now watch. Let's keep reading. I am the vine, verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do? Watch, watch, watch. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Watch here, verse 7. You all with me? Let's read it all together. Verse 7. If, what's that first word? That means it's conditional. What he's fixing to tell you. What he's fixing to tell you. All right, read it again. Verse 7. Okay, that's the the condition. That's the condition. Before he tells you what he's going to do, before he tells you what you have the opportunity for, he says, this is what's got to happen. You've got to abide in me, and I've got to abide in you. You have to have a devotional life. You have to have a devotional time. His word has to abide in you. Are you all with me? All right, watch what happens. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall abide. Oh, come on, come on. Everybody say it. Ye shall. What do we call that? Answered prayer. Answered prayer. Now, what was that first word in verse 7? What's the first word? So could we, could we naturally and truthfully assume that with the word if there, if we do it, he will, but if we don't, he. Can we assume that? We don't spend time with him. We don't read our Bible. We don't pray. We don't fellowship with him. We don't seek his face. We don't have a devotional time, a devotional walk. The only time we hear the Bible is when we come to church, but. We come to this altar when we get in trouble and expect him to do everything we need him to do. That's a problem. Because God has conditions. God has conditions. Let me say let me say this. I'm so glad that God's love is unconditional. Aren't you? I'm glad we don't have to perform. I'm glad we don't have to live up to anything. I'm glad he loves us when we're up. He loves us when we're down. He loves us when we're good. He loves us when we're bad. His love is unconditional. But his favor is conditional. His favor is very conditional. All right? If that makes sense, say amen. Now, this is the most important part. We have six minutes and 30 seconds, and, and we've got to finish this because if we don't finish this, Miss Cindy's going to shoot me. Say amen. She's been waiting for this part. Miss Cindy, this is your point right here. This point right here is your point. All right? What do we do then? What do we do? What is the process of answered prayers? All right? First, how many of y'all want want to have answered prayers? How many of y'all want to be able to kneel on your knees and know that heaven is open and there is an ear listening to your prayers? Say amen. First thing we have to do. First thing we have to do. A, we must Examine our self. We must examine our self. What's the Bible say? Psalms 139, 23. <clears throat> Search me. Search me, David says. Search me. Look all in me. Look all about me. Look all around me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me. Test me. Look all about me. Know my thoughts. Know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Boy, every morning we wake up, every night when we lay down, we ought to say, God, search me. God, clean me. Every time. We take a shower. That ought to be a reminder to us. I need to shower spiritually too. So in the tub or in the shower, wherever you are, say, Oh, God, is there anything spiritually? Have I said anything wrong? Have I thought anything wrong? Is there anything in my life that I need to confess to you? Why? One of the biggest problems to answer prayer is unconfessed sin. But, oh, if we keep the account short, if we come to God every day, the Bible says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and I'm so glad to know we got a God who can, we got a God who will, we got a God who's promised to wash our sin away. And I'm so glad I can come to Him boldly and say, God, make sure there's nothing between me and Thee. Somebody say it, man. The Bible says, God, same chapter, First John one nine, or excuse me, First John chapter one. If if God is light, in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Why do you think he said, but if we confess our sin, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's not so we can stay saved. That's not so we can get saved again. Because once you're saved, you can't lose it. It's so you can walk with him. It's so you can fellowship with Him. It's so you could come and have communion and abide with Him and Him with you. Oh, we got to have a short account. We must come and say, God, search me. Look me over. Is there anybody I need to get right with? Lord, do I need to get right with you? Is there something in my life that would keep you from answering my prayer? Why? My child may need my prayer one day. My family may need my... I only have to go. Y'all know why we need to pray. What do we need to do? Search ourself. If you feel like your prayers are not being heard, you might need to get in the closet and say, God, is there something? And you know what? God may unearth something. God may dig up something from your past you didn't even realize was, was there. There may be some bitterness that was there. There may be a grudge that somebody hurt you a long time ago that you've done forgot about, but it's been simmering in there. You don't know it, but He does, and He wants you to deal with it. Examine yourself. Examine yourself b write this down, write this down. <clears throat> one of the most important things we can do one of the most important things we can do is confirm through our, through the scriptures, confirm through the scriptures. What does that mean? It means this let let's let's, use, let's just use some everyday examples <clears throat> when i 'm praying. Oh, God, I want want to marry this woman. Well, I need to check the Bible about it. What do you mean? What's in the Bible about marrying somebody? It said, don't be unequally yoked together. So when I check the Bible, when I go to the Scriptures, and I read that, there's no sense in me praying about marrying this person. What I need to be praying for is this person gets saved. Boy, y'all getting quiet. Y'all don't believe the Bible? Do, do you know how many... Um, oh, a minute and 30 seconds. Do you know how many disappointed people there are that get married and thinking they're going to they're gonna bring that person up to the, where they are spiritually? Do you realize it's a whole lot easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up? Here, here's the thing. Oh, God. Oh, God, uh, meet my financial need. You've got three cars you can't pay for, a house is bigger than you can afford, and you're not living within your means. Well, what does the Bible say about that? Be content with such things as you have. Godliness with contentment is great gain. What does the Bible teach? There's no doubt about it. The principles of the Bible teach we should live within our means. God is not going to come pay for a car you can't afford. Does this make sense? So what do we do? When we sit down to pray and ask God about, we search the scriptures. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? We need to know the mind of God. Why do we need to know the mind of God? Because the Bible says if we ask according to his will. Come on, everybody. If we, i got to hurry now. I'm running out of time. If we ask according to his watch what happens. When we read the word of God, we know what his will is. So then we know, there's no sense in asking for something that we know is not his For instance, I'm just praying, I'm just praying about getting involved in ministry. Really? What, you, what is there to pray about? He says, I've gifted you to serve me. You don't have to pray about that. Now, you may need to pray about what ministry to get involved in, but not about getting involved. Does this make sense? Search the scriptures. What was A? What was A? When, when our prayers are not being answered, the first thing we need to do is what? Examine ourselves. Examine ourselves. B. Confirm through the scriptures. What does the Bible say about what we're asking for? Then C. Seek the spirit of God. Seek the spirit of God in, in our request. Why? Why? Romans 8.28. Or excuse me, Romans 8.26. <clears throat> And I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. They're going to have to wait on the children, but i got to hurry. This, you got to get this. Likewise, the Spirit. Now watch this. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helpeth our infirmities. Why? Because we don't always know what we should pray for. Y'all with me? The Bible clearly says this. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because, watch this, watch this, watch how the the Holy Spirit always prays this way. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Wow, isn't that great? Seek the Spirit. The Bible says, let the peace of God, Colossians 3, I think it's 315, it's either 315 or 316, let the peace of God rule your heart. Seek the peace of God. Seek the Holy Spirit. In what you're praying for. All right, D, quickly, quickly, quickly. Then ultimately, faithfully submit. Faithfully submit. What do you mean? Jesus prayed, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He begged for this cup to be taken away. He begged for for, for God the Father to intervene in his situation. He said, nevertheless, not not but what did jesus say to pray in his pattern of prayer in his outline of prayer what we know as the lord's prayer our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done. every day thy will be done thy will be done watch 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 the most important thing to remember about prayer say that with me the most important thing to remember about prayer now you remember that paradigm shift i'm talking about Remember, like, like, all the stuff we've heard about prayer, all the, all the stuff that people have told us about, do this, do that, do... All right, here's where it's shifting. Here's where it's shifting. We're shifting from, God, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to provide here. I need you, I need... You with me? All right, we're going to shift from that way of thinking. We're going to shift from that way, that practice of prayer. Watch, watch, watch. The most important thing to remember about prayer is the will of God. We must take time to ascertain what God's will is in a matter. Why? Because when we know the will of God, we know He hears us when we pray. If we ask according to His will. 1 John, especially searching in the Bible for promises or principles that apply to our situation. Once we know the will of God, we can pray with confidence and then wait for Him to reveal the answer. Why do you think Elijah was so confident in his prayer? Because in that chapter, verse 1, God said, go, I will. He knew the will of God. He had the word of God to support what he was praying for. So he didn't quit praying till it happened. Does that make sense? Now watch, now watch. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will... He heareth us. If we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Say amen. amen. We must pray in God's will. Now, 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 what happens? What happens when we've done all of these things and we still, we just, we just don't know about what God's will is? Because by the way, it's not always God's will to heal everybody. Well, do I pray for healing or do I, y'all with me? If it was God's will, for, for, if it was God's will to heal everybody, then nobody would die. I was, in a, I, was at a, I was at a basketball game last night. My daughter's playing. My daughter's playing. She's playing and I'm praying. The only problem was the coach of the other team goes to temple too. So which prayer is God going to hear? Does this make sense? You see people praying all that, oh God, oh God, oh God, help me kick this field. Go, oh God, make this go through the uprights. And the whole other team's doing the same thing. So how do we discern whether God wants to heal and take the cancer completely away or whether God chooses to take them home? Y'all with me? Prayer, prayer is a mighty instrument. Not for getting man's will done in heaven. Not for saying, God, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need this provided for me. I need this taken care of. Watch. Man's, it's not for man's will to be done in heaven. But for getting God's will done on earth. That's so important. That's so important. When we can change our way of thinking, when we can change, it's not for me to get what I need. It's not for me to get what I want. It's not for me to come and say, God, I need you to do this, and I need you to do that. I got some stuff down here on earth I need you to make happen in heaven. It's for us to look up and say, okay, God, what do you want done down here? What do you want to happen down here? Thy kingdom come, thy In every situation that we pray for, in everything that we ask for, God, what is your will in this matter? God, what is your will in this situation? God, what is your will in this need? Do you see the difference in thinking? I said, do you see the difference in thinking? Watch. You know why we're struggling with this? Because this is so foreign to what we've heard our whole life. Do you know why Jesus would sit and pray all night long? He was seeking the will of his Father. He would be up late serving and ministering and healing. Then he'd get up a great while before day. You know why? Because he had to live his life here on earth in total dependence and faith on his Father. He never operated outside of the Father's will. He was constantly praying, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Are y'all with me? George Mueller, who knew something about prayer, He fed thousands of orphans with food provided in answer to prayer. He said, prayer, I love this. Have mercy, I love this. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. All of us have spent our life trying to talk God into something. Trying to convince God that he needs to do something or answer this and begging God and hoping that that he'll do what we need him to do. It's not it. That's not real prayer. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold under God's willingness. God is wanting to show himself strong on our behalf. God is wanting to answer prayers in such a way that our faith is built up strong and explodes. And somebody say amen. That's what prayer is. It's getting a hold of what God is wanting to do. And if God is wanting to do that, we can have confidence and faith to know it's going to happen. Now watch, watch. There are times when we can only pray, when we can only pray just like Jesus, not my will, but because we simply do not know God's will in a matter. But most of the time, we can determine God's will by reading the Word, listening to the Spirit, and discerning the circumstances around us. I, I've been I've been I've been asked this in a hospital room. And don't 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 check out on me. Don't check out. I know we're way over, but you got I got I got to tell you this. Their loved one is there in the bed. And y'all know I'm not good at this kind of thing. I'm just not. And he said, "Preacher, how do we pray? How do we pray? Do we pray?" that God heals this cancer or do we pray that God takes her home man you're talking about a tough question I don't want nobody I love to leave so how do you pray if we're supposed to pray in the will of God if we're supposed to pray according to God's will and we don't know it here it is guys If we're supposed to pray according to God's will, but we don't know it, this is what we do. We do the exact same thing that Jesus did, and we do the exact same thing that Paul did. Oh God, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Oh God, if it be thy will. How many times did he pray? And then God gave him his answer. And then it changed. His prayer changed. Thy will be done. How many times did Paul ask for the thorn to be taken out of his side? How many times did God ask, or Paul ask for the thorn to be taken away? Please take this from me. Please take this from me. Please. He, watch this. He asked for what he desired till God showed him different. Preacher, what are you saying? Ask what you desire. Until God reveals something different. When God revealed to Paul, I can't take that thorn away. That, That thorn is a gift to keep you humble. Because the abundance of revelations, you'll get prideful, then I can't use you. You don't understand this, but this thorn is a blessing. I can't take this away. So he changed. His prayer changed to this. I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So you pray your desire, you pray what you ask. Listen, whatever your desire is, you go through those steps, you you examine yourself, is there any sin there? Does the scripture say anything about what I am asking for and I'm requesting for? I'm seeking the spirit of God. But then you say, Lord, what your will is. If you don't know it, you seek and you ask for what you desire till God shows you different. But regardless, you faithfully submit to his will if that is a complete physical healing on this side or if it's a healing on the other side you submit to his will in your life church say amen, amen. i'm sorry for going over time when i say amen you run and get your children because <laughs> the children's workers are going to kill me all right dear heavenly father thank you for your word thank you for faithful people Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Go get them.